Well, welcome in. We are honored that you would spend Christmas Eve with us. Uh, my name is Lance Williams. I'm the lead pastor here at The Grove, and uh, it is truly an honor that you would uh, join in with your family as they uh, celebrate with this family as we continue on in our Christmas Eve gathering. Um, if you've not been with us, which is like, you know, 60% of us probably in this room, we've been walking through this Advent series um, for the last four weeks on Sundays, and this, the, the, the season has really been about the fullness of time. The fullness of time, it's, it's, it comes straight out of the scriptures, actually, um, out of Galatians chapter 4, and so that's where we're going to be, at least as we start out tonight, in Galatians 4, verse 4, it's going to come up on your screen. Um, and so this is what it says. Look at what the scriptures say, right? But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons and daughters, God has sent the spirit of his son into your heart, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, better news than that, than an heir through God. Let's pray together. Father, we need you. We, uh, we love that you have come to be amongst us. I pray, Lord, that tonight we would have our minds opened up to that reality in new ways. That we would have our hearts begin to believe again what maybe was easier for us to believe when we were children I pray that it would be ignited again in our hearts and in our souls uh, this evening. I pray that our eyes would be opened, that our ears would be punctured again to be able to believe this stuff, and that our minds would be able to see this. Lord, would you be with us? We know you're with us, but would you remind us that you're with us just through a whisper, through the whisper of your spirit to cry out to us and to the Father Abba, our dad, remind us who we are tonight and remind us who you are tonight. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. All right, so the fullness of time, it, it kind of reads like the beginning of a trailer. Um, and I don't know what you did yesterday, but I went and saw the new Star Wars movie. And so if you haven't seen that, I'm going to try not to spoil it, all right? If you have not seen uh, Avengers Endgame, I'm also going to probably spoil that, and it's your fault. So it's been out for a long time. Um, and so there you go. But nonetheless, uh, it, it kind of reads uh, like the beginning of a trailer. Um, but really, what I'm trying to get you to see is not necessarily a movie, but this big picture of this stained glass. So there's this stained glass picture of all of our lives that we're kind of being invited into tonight. And it's this beautiful picture that we know that there is a master artist or a master craftsman that has set out the framework for this stained glass. They know exactly where every shade of blue is supposed to go or red or orange or yellow. They know exactly how it's supposed to look. And that's what this picture is with the fullness of time. The problem is we don't see like God sees. St. Augustine said that all of our lives and humanity are like a stained glass. But because we're human and not God, our faces are pressed against the stained glass. And all we see is the broken shards and pieces of glass. That's all we see. That's all we feel. 
We may know that there's a bigger picture, but right here is all we sense because we have a limited perspective. And Paul, through the book of Galatians, is going to pull our head away from the stained glass of our lives and pull us back. To be able to see a bigger picture that God has been orchestrating literally since the beginning and actually before time. So I don't know when you believe that the earth was formed. It's one of my kids' favorite questions these days. How old is the earth? Good question. We're going to ask Jesus one day. But no matter what you believe, if you think it's like a young earth thing, which is like, I don't know, 8,000 years or so, or like a whole long time ago, which is millions and billions and trillions of years ago, however you think that played out, before that, God had the stained glass perfectly planned out, perfectly aligned. You see, that's what it means when it says that when the fullness of time, God did something. He did something miraculous. He sent his son. So what I wish that we could have seen with Mary uh, as she came up here and light that candle was that I asked them earlier and I realized that I asked this a little awkwardly. I was like, hey, did you get one of those 3D, 4D scans? And she was like, it's not 4D. That's weird. It's 3D. But the reason why that's become such a popular thing to do is because we want a little peek into what God has been forming in that womb. We want just a little peek into what God's plan is, and we can't wait. We can't wait for the nine or ten months. We just need a little glimpse of our golden little baby inside the womb. I don't know why they're always golden, uh, but they are, at least the ones that I've seen. It's this, it's this, something is in us that we want to see into this deeper meaning and deeper picture that God's been painting, whether it be a pregnant woman giving birth or instead all of time. Time on this night in that year was pregnant with purpose. What was the purpose? All of time, every event in history pointed to this night. And every longing in all of our hearts had now been heard. And now God was making good on the promise to send his son. God's story of redemption, which is this story, invites you to trust his faithfulness. It's a faithfulness that we've been reading about and we've been discovering through Advent of this man. Jesus is the true and better high priest, and he lives to intercede for us. Jesus is the true and better king. Jesus is the true and better prophet who always speaks what is true. Otherwise, we need not be afraid of him. We need not trust him. And this story now culminates in this God who is born amongst us. Jesus was sent by the Father in the fullness of time. One may question, how is it that he was sent? If you're not questioning that, I'm questioning it for you, and we will, join us, we will now join into the scriptures in Galatians 4. How is it that Jesus, this Son of God, was sent forth onto the earth? Well, first, for, first and foremost, he was born of a woman under the law. Jesus was born of a woman, a common woman, so as to invite all of us into that story. See, if he was born of royalty, we would have not been invited into this story. It would have just been reserved for those of the higher-ups of society. But she 
She was just Mary of Nazareth. She had really nothing. And yet God came to her and spoke to her and invited her into his bigger picture, this grand story. And the story reads like this in Luke chapter 1, verses 30 through 34. Look what the angel said to her. It says, do not be afraid, Mary. Wouldn't you be afraid? I'd be afraid. If I was a young teenage girl, she's going to say at the end, I'm a virgin. What are you talking about? Like, this can't happen. I got my whole life in front of me. My, my wedding day, everything about it is going to be ruined by this, not to mention the rest of my life, because if I become pregnant outside of marriage, I'm going to be pushed to the fringes of society. And so it's no wonder that the angel's first words to her are, do not be afraid. Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and, in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be, since I am a virgin? So understandably, Mary is confused by this message. Uh, easily confused by this message. And, and, and what I hope is that we would not be confused. I remember kind of recapping the story uh, of the virgin birth a long time ago with one of my family members. And they kind of chimed back in and they're like, well, yeah, when Jesus was created, blah, 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 blah. I didn't hear the rest of what they said. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa time out. Jesus was not created. If he was created, he's just another like shard of glass just like you and me in this grand picture. No, instead, he was sent. There's a big difference between being created like you and me and being sent from heaven. See, Colossians 1, 16 and 17 is obvious in that it says this, For by him, for by Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, were the thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Friends, family, you were created for Jesus. You were not just created by Jesus, you were created for Jesus. I think most of us would probably rest in the fact that we were created by him, but we struggle a little bit when it says that we were created for him. Therefore, everything that you do outside of worshiping Jesus is always going to leave you wanting more. Why? Because in your heart, you were created to worship Jesus, the one who was sent from eternity past into this night, into that woman, into these moments. So why does any of this matter, right? I think some of us might get caught up into the story of, of Thanos, or, or Palpatine, Lord Palpatine, that at the end of, of this grand story of the Avengers or of Star Wars, that everything's going to end at just a snap of a finger, or dare I say, the dark side takes over, and that all of a sudden we're just wondering, is there any glimmer of hope? Is there any hero for us? And though we may be wondering that God has never wondered what the plan will be, it has always been and it always will be Jesus, that he has come and he was sent It wasn't at a last glimmer of hope. It was a wise, carefully thought out, orchestrated, perfect plan of the God of all creation. 
And what kind of creator God knowingly leaves the majesties of heaven after perfectly orchestrating all things on the earth and abandons his post in heaven where he is perfectly worshipped by all the angels? What kind of a God leaves that post? What kind of a, what kind of a God comes into the earth in the form of a baby? Why would any royalty become a peasant? Why would any king become poor? Well, verse 5 says that he came for one particular purpose, to redeem those who were under the law. To redeem us, to purchase us back from being enslaved by a system of merit. Friends, if you approach Jesus still underneath a system of merit, you're enslaved. So the Bible is saying, and Jesus was sent from the majesties of heaven to free us from that, to purchase us back from the merit system. He's the only one that was in the merit system and won the merit system. And here's the merit system, that if you do good things, God will approve of you. Jesus is the only one that can live and die underneath that system because he lived perfectly. He obeyed all of his father's commandments and though he died an unrighteous death, he rose from the grave to give us a savior. And the good news is that he's gonna come back. And if Advent is about anything, it's about the coming of our king, not just once, but again. And so that's the merit system that God is, that Jesus came to, quote unquote, earn God's approval, and he did so, but we can't. Because we're not righteous. We're not perfect, we're not holy like he is. And so God has come to free us from that system and said we then believe on his righteous deeds. And if we believe, he will give us perfection. That's it. If we would just believe these things. See, that's the whole reason why he came. And he came to redeem us, to bring us out of that merit system and instead give us a system of grace and mercy and unending love that isn't based on your performance. Praise God. It's not based on our performance, but only on that of Jesus. Well, how was it that he would come and redeem us but by doing one thing. Yes, performing on our behalf, but more than anything, if Christmas reminds us of anything, it is, Advent is our longing for God to be with us, and Christmas is, is the demonstration of God's longing to be with us. We have longed to be with him, and it is God now that shows that he has been longing to be with us. I want to try something tonight, and I want to go from Genesis to Revelation. I'm going to do it quickly. But before I do it, y'all just went, ooh, <laughs> calm down, all right? I know your kids are in here. They got a coloring guide. You'll be fine. That's hilarious. That was really funny. Thank you for doing that. Here's what I want you to do. I want to put a picture up on the screen. Have you seen this picture? You've seen it on social media probably. Um, if you've not seen this picture, there it is, right? I believe it's called Mary Comforts Eve. It's this great picture of two women that are in God's redemptive story, pieces of those broken pieces of glass that are in God's unbelievably, beautifully orchestrated piece of art. The one woman who lost paradise and the other woman who gave birth to the creator of paradise. If you just would look at this picture while I read these scriptures and just come with me on this journey and I just want you to hear and listen while you look at that. In Genesis 3, 8, after Adam and Eve sinned, 
God was walking in the garden in the cool of the day to be with Adam and Eve. There's one thing, and I want you to see this from Genesis to Revelation. God has wanted to be with his people. He wanted to be with his people right after they sinned. He wanted to be with his people continuously. In Genesis 26, verse 24, he says to Isaac, And the Lord appeared to Isaac the same night and said to him, I am the God of Abraham, your father. Fear not, for I am with you. When Moses is arguing against God, which is one of my favorite parts, probably why I named my son Moses. When Moses is arguing with God, he's going, I can't do this. You're asking me to do things I'm not equipped to do. God says to Moses, who am, or, or excuse me, Moses says to God, who am I that, sh that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children out of Egypt? And the Lord said, but I will be with you. When Moses was wondering whether or not, what would it be that would kind of make them distinct amongst all the nations? The Lord God said to Moses in Exodus 33, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And he said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your, in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? And Joshua, when they're going into the conquest, God commands Joshua, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And judges, when again, a judge named Gideon is arguing with God, one of my favorite parts about the Bible, the, the, the Lord shows up to him and says, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. He reshapes his identity. And Gideon says, and he says to the Lord, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, but I will be with you. Zephaniah, throughout the prophets, and the people are in exile. This is what Zephaniah says. Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. And you shall never again fear evil. We go into Jesus' ministry in John 14. When he's giving last instructions to his disciples, Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and, he will, and we will come to him and make our home with him. John 17, Father, he's praying, I desire that they also whom you've given me may be with me where I am. Matthew 18, in the midst of church discipline, which who doesn't love church discipline, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I with them. The Great Commission, and behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And then we skip ahead to the end of the age in Revelation 21. Look at how this grand story, this arc of God's story starts, continues on, and then ends. Revelation 21, 3 through 5. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man he will dwell with them. And they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. And what will he do? He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be nor mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. And also he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. It is a trustworthy and true reality that God has always wanted to be with 
you. Always. He's literally moved heaven and earth to make sure he has dwelt with his people. And that's the culmination of Christmas. That's why we light the Christ candle, because Emmanuel, God with us. Now, some of us might fear that God would be with us, but all throughout history, God says, fear not, fear not, fear not, for I am with you. This unbelievable presence in our lives, a fatherly, protective, caring, and loving presence is what God came to provide. And in this passage, he calls it the adoption as sons. We're brought into his family. I mean, isn't this the thing that we long for on Christmas? I don't know about your family, but I've kind of been getting texts and phone calls from people in my family. Like, no fighting. We're not going to, we're going to, we're going to lay down some rules here. We're all going to go to this certain, this certain person's house at this certain time. And, and, and I know you may not want to do that, but that's what we're going to do. And so everybody wants it to just be peaceful. Isn't that what we want during Christmas? And yet the best family that one could imagine or orchestrate or create, we're, we're, a lot of us are younger in this congregation, so we're trying to create these new rhythms, maybe breaking off some generational curses. Uh, but, but like even the best family pales in comparison to the family of God. Even the best dad, and some of us have some really good dads, even the best dad falls short of the kind of love with which God loves us as our father. But we are quick to forget, right? Isn't that why this kind of feels ho-hum sometimes? Like, I don't know about you, but I did the read the Bible in a year thing this year. It's not the last time I've done it. I hope it's not the first time I do it. But I I finished today. And I don't know why it ends on Christmas Eve. I don't know why it doesn't end on New Year's Eve. I guess they just thought, you're tired. Just rest for the rest of the week. But anyways, we ended today, and I, and I clicked the last one. And you know what I thought was going to happen on that app, that Read Scripture app? I thought it was going to explode with fireworks. That's what I actually thought. I was like, where's the little celebration? Come on, all the, all the boxes are checked. You know what happened? Nothing. And I was disappointed and hurt. I'm going to write those people. <laughs> but that's sometimes what what Christmas feels like. It feels like this grand celebration that's going to burst out, and then when you get there, you're like, just a lot of work. I don't know. We're quick to forget this beautiful promise that God has purposed everything to be with us. And so what did God do in response to our forgetfulness? Verses 6 and 7 say that man, like God loves us so much that he didn't just send his son one time. He's also coming back, and in the interim, he sent his spirit to testify to our hearts whose we are. It's all about identity, right? It's all about who we are. Are we going to live for ourselves? Are we going to live for the king that came? We are quick to forget with the glimmer of lights and the chaos of unwrapping gifts, not to mention the bickering of impeachment or whatever else we choose to fight about, we are quickly distracted. Friends, let us be reminded that we are sons. We're no longer slaves to that merit system. We're no longer slaves to the economy of this world. And so whatever we fear, whatever fight we find ourselves in, let us be reminded that we have no hope except the one who in the fullness of time sent his son to redeem us, to purchase us, to be with us. Didn't leave us as orphans, but instead sent his spirit to remind us who we are. We're the ones 
with which God is pleased to dwell. Praise be to God. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for your love and your presence in our lives. We are ultimately grateful because you have come to be among us and with us. And in your posture, as Zephaniah preached about, you're not just with us, you're for us. This is what the heart of the Father is in us. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in our midst. Lord, we thank you. We, we shall never again fear evil, for on the day it shall, it shall be in, said in Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion, let not your hands grow weak, for the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over us with gladness, and you will quiet us with your love, and you will exult over us with loud singing. Lord, you are singing over us. As much as we're going to sing to you, you are singing over us with gladness, with pride, because when, you, when, you, when you, you beam over us, not because of the things we've done, because of what you've done for us and that we might believe that when, when, when time's purpose came to its fulfillment, it gave birth to the purpose of you sending your son. And we are forever grateful. So may we respond in joy and in purpose through song. In Christ's name, amen.